1: I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bear man. I breathe the mountain
0: air, man. I travel I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Get on the phone now and call 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. And now, the savvy traveler himself, Rudy Maxa. Welcome
2: aboard. You're listening to a Labor Day weekend edition of America's Most Popular Radio Travel Show. I am Rudy Maxa. Your genial radio host, and I got a lineup of guests this weekend. I think you'll enjoy. In a few minutes, we're going to take a look at gas prices, how they're impacting travel this weekend. Are more of us traveling over Labor Day than last year? Could that be a leading economic indicator? Got to tell you, I saw regular gas priced at four fifty a gallon in Chicago when I was there earlier this week. Yikes! Then we're going to take a look at the backstory of a great ocean liner. While the Titanic got all the publicity this year. A ship called the United States ruled the seas before the introduction of the jet plane. It was the fastest, safest, and most luxurious cruise ship in its day, and it was a dream of one man. We'll learn more at about 18 after the hour. And how many countries are there in the world? Well, it depends on how you count them and who you ask. Travel journalist Bruce Northam joins to explain. And you probably don't think much about airline fuel, how much it costs, how it gets to your local airport. John Heimlich is the vice president and chief economist at the Airlines Trade Association. He thinks a lot about airline fuel, and I think what you'll find what he has to say quite fascinating. Toward the end of the hour, of course, I'll have my deals of the week, but let's start by taking a quick look at the news in travel this week. Well, this weekend, United begins selling tickets for the first domestic flights of Boeing's Dreamliner 787 aircraft. While the new plane, called the sports car of the sky by some, has been flying international routes for some months now, United's 725-in-the-morning flight from Houston to Chicago on November 4th will be the first commercial flight of the plane in the U.S. This, of course, is Boeing's new baby with oversized passenger windows whose special gel is called an electrochromatic dimming system. You can dial down the amount of light coming through the window of the button. The luggage bins are larger. The plane can be pressurized at altitudes as low as 6,000 feet, which should make flying more comfortable. And Boeing also promises the humidity level will be higher in the plane, which also helps passengers avoid that dried-out feeling that accompanies long flights. Uh, internationally, United will, uh, will begin flying at 787s between Houston and Amsterdam, uh, and th- this year to Japan and next year. Excuse me. United's going to start flying between Houston and Amsterdam this year and next year to Japan, China, Nigeria, and London. In the U.S., Delta will also begin flying the 787 to its other hubs, including Chicago, Cleveland, Denver, L.A., Newark, San Francisco, and D.C. That's more than 470 flights aboard the Dreamliner in the U.S. the last two months of this year. And are the French, well, French-Canadians at least, terrible tippers? Some restaurant employees in Vermont think so, so they've begun adding the tip to the checks of French-speaking diners who cross the border into the states from Quebec to dine. It's called the Queeb tax in Burlington, Vermont, where restaurateurs and waitstaff say French-Canadians are terrible tippers, sometimes leaving a dollar or just a few cents on tabs of 50 to to $100. Now, I was dining recently in Montreal and Quebec City, and I found that tips of 10 to 15% seemed to be the norm there. I have no idea why Canadian diners would reduce their tips when they come south of the border and folks in Burlington don't seem to know either. But don't speak French if you go to a Burlington restaurant because or if you do, at least make sure you don't tip twice by noticing a gratuity, by not noticing that a gratuity's been added to your tip. All right, it's Labor Day weekend, traditionally a big driving holiday. We thought we'd check in with someone who keeps tabs on these kinds of things. Leslie Carlin is an etiquette and travel expert with tripadvisor.com. Leslie, welcome back to the show.
3: Oh, thanks for having me.
2: So let's start with gas prices. They seem to be on the rise again, but then again, so is the stock market. Though Republicans think the economy is going to hell in a handbasket. Are we a traveling kind of country this Labor Day weekend or not?
3: Uh, yes, we are, Rudy. Uh, according to the TripAdvisor's fall travel survey, uh, 27% of our respondents said they were going to be getting away over Labor Day weekend. Uh, that's uh, it's up from 22% last year, so despite those gas prices, people are still uh, taking trips.
2: So that, that, that's sort of good news. I mean for the yeah, economy. Yeah. It's like house yeah, prices definitely. going up, more people traveling means more people feel more comfortable at the economy and spending money.
3: Yeah, um and most of our respondents said they're going to spend either the same amount or even more uh this year for fall travel as they did last year. So I I think that's that's great for everybody.
2: What kind of trips are we taking?
3: Uh well the top types of fall travel trips, number one is of course foliage viewing. Um that's uh, that's always big every year. Um, And then we've got uh, wine tasting or visiting vineyards. Um, That's very popular in fall. I think that in a lot of parts of the country that can go along with uh, seeing some fall color in the leaves and make for a really pretty weekend. Um, Going to state or county fairs or fall festivals. Those tend to pop up all over the country, and those are really popular. Uh, And then rounding out the top five, uh, attending football games and going to food festivals.
2: And I presume most of us are driving, as is the case most Labor Day weekends.
3: That's true. Yes, this year, uh, about two thirds of our respondents said they were planning to drive. Only one third were flying.
2: Okay. Um, is, is, are the folks at, uh, at travel uh, at Tripadvisor happy about this? I mean, is this does this mean more people in in, in twenty thirteen will be traveling?
3: Um, I hope so. I mean I I think it's it's a good indication. We had similar indications in our um our Memorial Day survey, so it seems like travel in general has been on the rise this year.
2: And I was surprised um at the number of people who are planning hotel stays versus uh running a vacation home or staying with friends and family.
3: Yeah, you know, I thought that was interesting too, but then I started thinking that if if Labor Day weekend or you know, maybe there are more weekend trips uh happening in the fall than the week long vacations where you have to kind of pull your kids out of school. Um, and so maybe hotels are just, you know, a better bet for a shorter stay like that.
2: According to TripAdvisor, um, of those taking fall leisure trips, not necessarily just Labor Day, but fall, 72% are planning a hotel stay and 18% will rent a vacation home. 13% are taking international trips. That seems like a fairly robust number as well.
3: Yeah, it does.
2: Uh, I don't know how it compares previously, but uh, uh, 64% will only take domestic trips. I think that's sort of um, expected. Um Gas prices are they influencing the the distances Americans are willing to drive?
3: Um, well, we found that most travelers are if they're driving they're willing to drive uh between 100 and 300 miles. Um, only about 16% are willing to go over 500 miles. But really in general the gas prices aren't a factor for the vast majority of our respondents. I think only about 15 or 16% said that they were going to be modifying their plans because they were concerned about gas prices.
2: Well, that's good news for the Obama campaign, which I know. But yeah. I'm sure they've been watching gas prices go up, going, "Oh no, not right just before the election." <laughs> right. Well, this is this is good news. Uh, I hope it's a leading uh, economic indicator. I think travel is, and I appreciate your joining us, Leslie. No, oh,
3: thanks so much for having me.
2: Talk to you again soon. Leslie Carlin is a travel expert with TripAdvisor.com, and we appreciate their surveys they share with us. You know, I mentioned the the new 787 Dreamliner. Uh, it did suffer uh, a little blow. Uh, the, uh, the Australian airline Qantas canceled an order to buy 35 of the jets. Now, it wasn't just because Qantas has been so late in delivery of the jets. Apparently, the Australian airline reported a big loss of more than $250 million and says the cancellation is a money-saving move. They're buying some different Boeing jets and say they uh, may come back and... Uh, and make another bid for the 787, so it's not the end of the world. And a marriage between American Airlines and U.S. Airways moved one step closer to reality this week when U.S. Airways signed a non-disclosure agreement with American. That means the airlines can look at each other's confidential uh, financial information, and that would help them decide whether to merge into a single airline. American also had two months of profitability. That's after months of losing money during their restructuring under the bankruptcy court protection. Stick around. When we come back, we're going to hear about a ship called the United States... It's an amazing story about the guy who built it.
0: To participate in the program and speak with Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com.
2: I'm happy to bring you the next chapter in a fun contest series sponsored by our friends at Travel Guard. After a lifetime of waiting, Kenneth and Kim had their retirement trip to Italy at last. On their final day in Rome, their guide brought them to the Trevi Fountain and told them the legend. With your back to the fountain, toss coins in the pond. Toss one, and you'll return to Rome. Toss two, you'll fall in love. Toss three, you'll fall in love with Rome. For the rest of the story and a chance to win a Kindle, visit TravelGuard.com stories. Travel Guard is a worldwide leader in travel insurance and assistance.
4: Save more of your money when you stay at America's Best Value Inn. And spend more of your time doing the things you love. With over 1,000 hotels in North America, we've got you covered with free internet, continental breakfast, and hundreds of instant rewards with our value club. Visit AmericasBestValueIn.com. With value right in our name, you know you're getting a great
5: deal!
4: My name is Jennifer, I'm
5: 44, and I lost weight with the Amberin program. My name is Kim, I'm 47, and I lost weight with the Amberin program.
3: I'm Jane, I'm 52, and I lost a ton of
5: weight with the Amberin program. Even my belly fat is gone, and it was so easy. Thousands of women over 40 who used to struggle with weight gain are having incredible success with the Amberin program. That's because Amberin focuses on hormonal balance. The leading cause of weight gain in women over 40, especially during menopause, is hormonal imbalance. Until you balance your hormones, losing weight can be practically impossible. But the Amberin program balances your hormones naturally, making losing weight surprisingly easy. Plus, Amberin eliminates other symptoms of unbalanced hormones, like hot flashes, irritability, and sleeplessness. Call in the next 15 minutes to receive a complimentary risk-free trial with a 30-day supply, free. Call 1-800-525-2563. That's 1-800-525-2563.
4: 1-800-525-2563.
0: To join Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025. You can email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's
2: world. And this segment of the show is brought to you by our friends at Travel Guard. It's a chartist company, a worldwide leader in travel insurance. Travel Guard provides products and services to millions of travelers around the globe, helping leisure and business travelers alike solve problems and manage risks. And right now, if you visit travelguard.com forward slash stories, you can read the newest story in a series of true travel tales and be eligible for a chance to win a new Kindle. Every year, Travel Guard receives thousands of stories from travelers about their experiences, and in this latest one, a couple celebrates their retirement with a trip to Italy. And upon learning about the legend of the Trevi Fountain, their trip takes an unpredictable turn. You can find out the true ending to the story and earn a chance to win a Kindle by visiting travelguard.com forward slash stories or go to the website, Rudy our show's website, RudyMaxa.com, scroll down that homepage, and click on the Travel Guard logo great new book out from simon and schuster it's called a man and its ship and it's written by Stephen Ujafusa. have i pronounced your name correctly Stephen? uh yes thank you very very much this is a story of america's as the cover says america's greatest naval architect in his quest to build the ss united states and when i've told friends this week that i was interviewing Stephen about his new book or you know i said oh this is a great story about this ship everybody said titanic and i guess this was the year of titanic wasn't it Stephen?
6: Uh, yes, uh, uh, 2012 was the 100th anniversary, but this is also the 50th anniversary of the maiden voyage of America's greatest uh, ocean liner. And anyways, this ship, the SS United States, incorporated many of the lessons that, uh, from the Titanic disaster.
2: And it's really a ship that was willed into existence by one man, William Francis Gibbs, a name not known to most Americans, and a guy who had no formal training in ship design, am I correct?
6: William Francis Gibbs uh was kind of like Steve Jobs in my opinion. He was uh born to a very wealthy family in Philadelphia in 1886 and uh from the age of 8 he knew he wanted to be a naval architect when he saw uh, a ship launched on the Delaware. But he had he realized from a young age he was not particularly good at math. So <laughs> he had, he did take some engineering classes in college, but he didn't do that well. So basically he overcame that through a lot of hard work and self-study. In fact, he said the only way you could truly learn something is to do it by yourself.
2: Well, this is a phenomenal story because I just can't imagine someone who didn't take and you know come out with an engineering degree could do this. I gather he just kept looking at ships. What did he travel on them a lot? Did he sail on them and examine things?
6: He did travel on on them as a young man. When his family had money, uh, in his senior year at Harvard, his family went bankrupt, and he had to uh, go out and work for a living himself. He actually ended up being trained as a lawyer. But even while he practiced law very unhappily uh, for a year, he had a, his apartment was just stacked full of shipping publications, engineering publications, and would study them very, very carefully. In fact, when he was in college, he um, spent a lot of his time redesigning British battleships out of old uh, publications, and he actually hid uh, those drawings from classmates. He was afraid he'd get bullied for it.
2: But a World War II came along, and his life started to change. He started to get much more into ships, didn't he?
6: Well, World War II was a turning point for him because his firm was uh, the largest contractor for new construction during, well, during the war. Uh, he had a small business with his brother uh, doing passenger ships, but by the late 30s he realized that his real talent was working with the U.S. Navy. and His real talent was, although he was a very good designer and taught himself, how to be a good designer. His real genius was project management. How do you take a vision, concept for a ship, see every single uh, aspect of the construction? It was his uh, drive and will that led to the creation of the Liberty Ship, which was the humble cargo ship that carried so much uh, goods and passengers and troops across uh, for the up of D-Day. He helped design a Normandy landing craft. And uh, so that's where he really learned his skill as a Naval designer, but also as a government contractor.
2: My guest is Stephen Ujafusa, who uh, uh, is a historian, and has written a great history of the ship called the SS United States. And this ship is what his dream was. Already built the Liberty ships, he he was a great contractor and a great guy for running crews at the right time. But he had this dream to make the fastest, most luxurious and safest passenger ship, as you say in your book. The speed thing, tell us about this competition that existed at that time.
6: Well, this is a time, the first half of the 20th century, when ships were not like today's cruise ships, just sort of rumored around from port to port. Ocean liners back in the first half of the 20th century were transportation from point A to point B. That meant New York to Europe, and people on these ships were getting there, wanted to get there in a hurry and ships were the only way to go for a long time. So nations vied with each other and governments poured millions upon millions of dollars in subsidies to steamship companies to build the fastest, or the most luxurious ships possible. And basically you had the major powers of Europe. You had France, you had England and Germany. You also had Italy for a time uh, that built the fastest ships in the world. And this competition was called the Blue Riband of the Atlantic.
2: The Blue and Riband, the, R-I-B-A-N-D. I had not heard it until I read your book, The Blue Riband. Right.
6: Yes, this is kind of like the space race of the early uh, right. uh, half of the 20th century.
2: Okay, so he was determined to win that.
6: <laughs> yes, he was definitely determined to win that. And uh, America had not held a ship with the transatlantic speed record since 1851. And so by the time plans for the SS United States came about in the late 40s, William Francis Gibbs said, I don't want just a luxury liner. I want to build a ship that can take the speed record and also be turned into a troop carrier in times of war. And usually the ship that had the transatlantic speed record became the most famous ship in the world and became sort of a standard bearer for the nation whose flag she flew.
2: And this ship, the SS United States, that he finally got to build later in life, did it, didn't it?
6: It did. She uh, captured the... uh, Transatlantic speed record on our maiden voyage, July of 1952, and she sailed from New York with a, a large number of celebrities on board. You had Vincent Astor and his wife. You had David Sarnoff, who was the president of uh, RCA. Uh, Fritz Reiner, a uh, conductor of a famous conductor, and you also had uh, the daughter of the president of the United States, Margaret Truman. And this voyage was a big party. Everyone was so excited about this, and she took the record. In three days, ten hours, and 40 minutes, at an average speed of 35.59 knots, which was four knots faster than the Queen Mary. And when the SS United States pulled into Southampton Harbor amid all the cheering crowds and and uh, photographers and journalists, the captain of the SS United States was asked, oh, "Don't you feel proud about this? What's the uh, don't you feel? How do you feel about this incredible accomplishment?" And Captain Manning said. I had more power on my sleeve. We were just cruising, which the British found very arrogant. But, in fact, the SS United States could go a lot faster, and they'd only gone two-thirds power on that crossing.
2: Wow. What, I, just, I, I want to ask you about what happened to the cruise ship, but just give me a minute on the rudder. Why was the rudder so s- secretive? Why was the, the design of it so secretive?
6: William Francis Gibbs was obsessed with secrecy. He was obsessed with his competitors stealing... Uh, his ideas. He had done a bit of that himself in the 1930s when he looked at famous ships like the Normandy and the Queen Mary and studied their hull design. He he basically made it uh, impossible for anyone without proper security clearance to look at anything below the waterline, the propellers, the rudder, the engines. All of that was government classified because of the ship's possible military uh. You couldn't go down into the engine room like with other ships. Say you're a passenger on the SS United States and you want to look at the engine room. That was not allowed, unlike other ships. Uh. The only passenger that had clearance to do that uh, because he was such a big shot was the Duke of Windsor.
2: All right, I'm going to jump ahead because you're running out of time. Let, let me let me transition very quickly by saying about six years into the service, the first Boeing jet started crossing the ocean, and that began a slow, well, not so slow, demise of cruise ships as a way to get to and from as opposed to take a leisurely cruise today. We've got one minute left. Um, Stephen, where is the ship today? What is its status? What are your hopes for it? Uh,
6: the ship is currently in Philadelphia. She's been laid up and out of service since 1969, and she's... Remarkably survived, and currently the SS United States Conservancy, which is a nonprofit group, currently owns the ship and is hoping to develop her as a stationary attraction. And time is running out. The funding for this project uh, for maintaining the ship runs out in November. So the SS United States Conservancy has a website, savetheunitedstates.org, where you can learn more about saving this treasure, which I believe is the equivalent of the Brooklyn Bridge or the Statue of Liberty.
2: I've never seen it, and I didn't know it was in Philadelphia. Can you visit it right now?
6: Uh, you can go up to uh, the IKEA parking lot and get a very good look at her. She is currently not open to the public, but she is very visible from uh, many points in Philadelphia. And which, it's fitting because it's the hometown of her
2: designer. All right. The book is called A Man in His Ship. It's written by Stephen Ujafusa. That's U-J-I-F-U-S-A. It's published by Simon & Schuster. And if you'd like to cruise, if you have an interest in ships and an interest in history... This is a very nice late summer read. Stephen, thank you for joining us. Thank you. We'll be right back in just a moment. Talk about how many
0: countries there are in the world. Rudy Maxa's World is coming right back. So get on the phone now at 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. You can also enjoy the program anytime at rudymaxa.com.
2: Going on vacation? We like to think we'll never have an emergency away from home, but the truth is, accidents happen. Take Susan and her husband, David. They were strolling in Munich when Susan stumbled on a cobblestone, fell and broke her ankle. Susan needed surgery and wanted to be treated by her doctors at home. Luckily, Susan and David had a travel assistance membership from OnCall International, so they didn't need to worry. OnCall helped them with everything. Don't you want an emergency resource, too? Visit OnCallInternational.com today, or for more info... Visit RudyMaxa.com under Sponsors. Folks, you remember why it's so crucial to have access to travel assistance on every trip, right? Well, if you're like me, you have On Call International. On the line is the company's CEO, Mike Kelly. Mike, why is membership with On Call International so important?
7: Rudy, On Call International is a trusted leader in emergency evacuations. We offer medical evacuation to the hospital of your choice. We cover any trip beyond 50 miles from home and we offer plans to fit every budget or need.
2: Save 30% off your membership today with the code MAXA30 at oncallinternational.com.
0: participate in the program call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to rudy Maxa.com. here's rudy maxa
2: 33 after the hour in this segment of the program is brought to you by the good folks at on call international we all know that sometimes the unexpected happens while traveling if and when it does you can protect yourself with a reasonably priced annual membership from On-Call International, the company provides the best assistance you'll need during an unforeseen medical or travel emergency, even a situation such as social or political unrest, if you're visiting somewhere where those things happen. From unexpected illnesses to life-threatening accidents, delayed luggage or legal woes, On-Call International gives you help you'll need to return home or get back to enjoying your trip. More info at OnCallInternational.com or just go to the radio show website RudyMaxa.com, scroll down on that homepage and click on the On-Call logo. So how many countries are there in the world? Well, it might surprise you to know that a lot of people don't agree on that. Bruce Northam is a travel writer and a travel videographer, and uh, if you go to his website, americandetour.com, you'll see many videos of his travels to, get this, 125 countries. This is a traveling man. Bruce, uh, welcome to the show. I know uh, I-, I wanted to have you on because I know you've been, you've been working on a book that required you to sort of say how many countries there are in the world.
1: That's right, Rudy. I'm happy to meet your audience. Uh, my next book is called *The Directions to Happiness*, and it's a—it's 125 characters I've met in as many many countries and the wisdom that they shared. But the country count around the world is is a toughie, depending upon who you who you believe. The UN recognizes 193 countries. That was 192 until Sudan split in two.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: FedEx delivers to 220 countries countries and territories. The Olympics hosted two hundred and four countries and then there's the Travelers Century Club and they put that number over three hundred by calling places like Alaska and Hawaii their own country.
2: What is the Traveler's Century Club?
1: Well it's a, a club for I'm not in the club. I don't I don't like I don't really join clubs. I can't take any more mail. <laughs> but it's it's a it's a club that if you've been to more than a hundred countries you're you're part of their annual meeting. But they do some interesting things. Um, like, for instance, the UN does not recognize Martinique; they they lump it in with France. Of course, Martinique is its, its own country. Taiwan's not recognized by the UN. Um, uh, and then, then again, on the flip side, North, uh, FedEx delivers to North Korea. So, you know, they subdivide Antarctica into seven different countries. So,
2: Who does? so H- FedEx. No. Uh, the central.
1: No, uh, Travelers Century Club. Oh, I'm sorry. They subdivide out. Antarctica okay. into seven countries.
2: Why is that? Because well,
1: because it just they when a region is you know really something new and different unto itself compared to another another place they uh, they, they break it apart.
2: So they have names for these seven countries, quote unquote, in Antarctica.
1: Yeah, yeah, nice. they they do. TravelersCenturyClub.org. Uh, you I know, don't... it's an interesting way to, to look at the world. Because, I mean, really, if you get right down to it, I mean, Russia is... Uh, the USSR was 11 time zones. I think, I think Russia is now nine time zones. And considering that one country is just, you know, it's mind-boggling.
2: Well, you know, in the face of it, uh, just asking this question out of the blue, how many countries are in the world? It seems like you're just going to open the atlas and th- somebody will tell you exactly the amount of numbers. Are, are these... Is this a point that is argued?
1: Well... I like to argue it because you know if someone if someone said if someone's going to include cruise ship dockings and airport layovers as part of their country count I think I think that's silly um, you know it's really just think about how different Arizona is from Maine I mean they don't break those places into different countries but right. you know a country, you could spend Years just in Canada, you know. Canada has ten provinces, three territories, and a high Arctic region. The diversity in Canada is, you know, it's more more than you'd find in Europe, you know, obviously. Um, and Europe, uh, Europe is probably four percent the size of Canada.
2: But just the sheer number of countries, you would think there'd be one yardstick that everybody agrees to, and clearly there's not.
1: Well, you know, as I said, there were 204 countries competing in in the Olympics. And that sounds like a pretty humane approach to the number.
2: Yeah, okay. I can understand why FedEx might have have a few more, because they have to get it right to your door. Um, Right. But I don't understand why the Century Club is calling Alaska and Hawaii different countries. I certainly understand they're different places. uh,
1: I mean, they are completely different from the mainland.
2: Okay, but... But but you could go to the little island of uh, Lanai on Hawaii, and they have microclimates where once you, you could be blindfolded, and when the blindfold's taken off, you could think you're in a Montana forest, and then seven minutes away, you can think you're in the south of France. So, you know, you could argue that till the cows come home.
1: It, exactly. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's really it's a source of entertainment to talk about it.
2: Give, give me a minute about uh, AmericanDetour.com. What is your goal when you go out with a camera to a new place?
1: Follow a travel writer on his journey. Um I, you know, I've I've been to about a hundred and thirty countries, you know, and I and I I you know, for instance, I I consider Puerto Rico its its own country. It's not lumped in with the US. Everything is different down there. It's, they have their own culture. They you know, they borrow our culture, the the uh they love the NBA down there more than they do here in the States it seems. Right. But uh you know, like, when I, tape, when I write my story, I bring along a crew and we videotape me getting the story, essentially. So it's you're on the road with the travel writer as he gets his story.
2: All right. You can, you can see those stories at AmericanDetour.com. My guest is Bruce Northam, who gets out and about, obviously. Hey, Bruce, thanks. This is your first time on the show. Hope to have you back. Thanks so much, Rudy. Take care. We'll be right back in just a moment. We're going to talk about something you probably don't think a whole lot about,
0: airline fuel. Call now to talk to Rudy Maxa at 800-387-8025. You can also email the show anytime at info at rudymaxa.com.
4: Rising gas prices taking a bite out of your travel budget? Here's something to chew on. You can get more mileage from your travel dollar by staying at America's Best Value Inn, where you'll enjoy free continental breakfast, internet, and HBO at over 1,000 hotels in North America. Plus, join our free value club for room discounts, upgrades, and other instant rewards. Visit americasbestvaluein.com. With value right in our name, you know you're getting a great deal.
2: Yum. I'm happy to bring you the next chapter in a fun contest series sponsored by our friends at Travel Guard. It's one of thousands of true travel tales they receive every year. Diane and her friend were enjoying a summer cruise in the Mediterranean when her legs started to itch uncontrollably. She let it go, thinking it would get better. But when she noticed it getting inflamed and red, her mind went to her worst fear. For the rest of the story and a chance to win a Kindle, visit TravelGuard.com stories. Travel Guard is a worldwide leader in travel insurance and assistance.
4: Save more of your money when you stay at America's Best Value Inn and spend more of your time doing the things you love. With over 1,000 hotels in North America, we've got you covered with free internet, continental breakfast, and hundreds of instant rewards with our value club. Visit AmericasBestValueIn.com. With value right in our name, you know you're getting a great deal!
2: Hey, folks, how will you get home if a riot or natural disaster happens while traveling? If you're like me, you'll have membership with OnCall International. On the phone is the company's CEO, Mike Kelly. Mike, tell us about this coverage.
7: OnCall International's deluxe membership includes all the great benefits of our annual membership, but also covers emergency evacuation due to earthquakes, volcanoes, political riots, military coups, and more.
2: Folks, save 30% off your membership today with the code RMAXA30 at OnCallInternational.com.
5: My name is Jennifer. I'm 44, and I lost weight with the Amberin Program. My name is Kim. I'm 47, and I lost weight with the Amberin Program.
3: I'm Jane. I'm 52, and I lost a ton of weight with the Amberin Program.
5: Even my belly fat is gone, and it was so easy. Thousands of women over 40 who used to struggle with weight gain are having incredible success with the Amberin Program. That's because Amberin focuses on hormonal balance, The leading cause of weight gain in women over 40, especially during menopause, is hormonal imbalance. Until you balance your hormones, losing weight can be practically impossible. But the Amberin program balances your hormones naturally, making losing weight surprisingly easy. Plus, amberin eliminates other symptoms of unbalanced hormones like hot flashes, irritability, and sleeplessness. Call in the next 15 minutes to receive a complimentary risk-free trial with a 30-day supply free. Call 1-800-525-2563. That's 1-800-525-2563. (laughs) 1-800-525-2563.
0: Got a question or comment? Need advice? Jump on board now by calling the show at 800-387-8025 or visit the show anytime at rudymaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's World.
2: 43 minutes after the hour. You know, a lot of us obsess about gas prices when we're filling up at the tank. You know, two pennies difference will drive 20 miles to get. But what about about fuel for airlines? Is that the same stuff? Is it more expensive? Is it cheaper? John Heimlich uh, is the... Vice President and Chief Economist at Airlines for America. It's an industry trade association based in Washington, and he knows a whole lot about jet fuel, and I asked him to join us and explain it. John, welcome to the show. Nice to have you here.
7: Thanks, Rudy. Pleasure to be with you.
2: All right, what is the correlation between what we put in our car, uh, both quality, you know, what kind of gas is it, versus airline fuel and price?
7: Well, in terms of price, uh, jet fuel typically runs uh, 15, 20 cents a gallon uh, higher than gasoline prices do, but just like gasoline, they, it varies geographically in price.
2: And is it is it uh, a more, I don't know, high-octane mix?
7: Yeah, it's got higher energy content uh, as well as uh, it, it's, uh, it works better at, uh, it's more sensitive to certain cold and hot temperatures, so it's calibrated uh, very carefully with the specification.
2: And obviously, the price of jet fuel uh, uh, helps determine the price of an airline ticket. I'm looking at some stats here. May '09, jet fuel cost a a gallon. What is it today?
7: Uh, we're looking about r- roughly three twenty a gallon these days. And that's Whoa. just at the refinery before before fuel taxes, transportation costs, that sort of thing.
2: So it has tripled in four years.
7: It, it has three been,
2: years excuse me three yeah, years it, john
7: yeah it's been staggering it it's uh, it's the airline's largest and most volatile cost representing uh in the first half of this year thirty four percent of airline expenditure
2: and so we stop feeling sorry for ourselves when we fill up what is it cost to fill up an airplane
7: oh it can be uh it can be uh thousands or tens of thousands of dollars on that order depending on the uh equipment you you typically have uh <clears throat> on a, On a narrow body, maybe seven to ten thousand gallons uh on board for a given flight,
2: and that's over twenty thousand dollars then. yes, it is wow, and how does i uh, you see fuel trucks running around airports? How does the fuel actually get to the airport though
7: yeah so so on airport it's a combination of trucks and underground uh hydrants uh pipes depending on on the airport uh... because we try to minimize congestion on the airfield getting to to the airport. I'd say about 90% of the jet fuel lifted at U.S. airports travels by underground pipeline, and those are multi-product pipelines, interstate that, that carry uh, gasoline, diesel, jet, and are heating oil and are commingled, and then there may be a truck portion, but it's, it's uh, predominantly by pipeline.
2: That is fascinating to me. So if, if one had x-ray vision, one could see a network of Big big, wide pipes carrying jet fuel to airports around the, major airports around the united states
7: that's right there, there are about seven seven major uh sort of arterial pipelines in the country, and then they have these offshoots that uh, that then take it to take gas to gas stations, diesel to places uh, uh, heating oil, and then the jet fuel will have a break-off line that might run to an airport,
2: yes. Maybe uh, because I'm a guy, I find it fascinating. But l- let me just go back to prices for just a moment. Can, can an airline shop around for a cheaper gas station?
7: Uh, generally, uh, fuel is the great equalizer in our business. Pretty much all airlines pay the same price. They might change the geographic mix of what they purchase, and there are some differences, especially due to transportation costs. They may try some hedging. But in terms of the physical contract with the supplier, they, they pretty much all pay the same price.
2: But I mean, you can't uh, you can't fill up, say, I don't know, south of the border and Liechtenstein and get cheaper gas or fuel. And, and no,
7: you got to fill up at the airport where you it, need it. Where you need it, yeah, yeah. We don't and we is, don't fill up and then uh, sort of drive to the airport, as it were.
2: And is there a place where uh, jet uh, fuel is refined?
7: Well, it's refined essentially all over the world. As far as the U.S., the largest amount of production is by far in the Gulf Coast region. You know, knock on wood with these tropical storms, right. fo- followed by the west coast, then the Midwest, and then it then it pills from there. But uh, but a, a fair bit uh, uh, is comes from overseas, from from Asia, from the Caribbean, even Latin America, uh, and increasingly uh, as well as in the Middle East and such. And,
2: uh, I'm go sorry, ahead. go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry, no, I I, mean just just
7: as one example, you may have one airport that takes a hundred percent. Uh, domestic sources and you might have an airport like LAX where 50% comes from overseas.
2: Fascinating, fascinating. Um what's your prognosis for the next few months or if you knew that would you be a very rich man because you'd speculate on the price of oil?
7: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that would be true. What what we can do is we can look at what the Department of Energy is saying, we can look at what the uh, market's trading at and uh for the first uh, uh, the, the market's trading higher for the rest of the year. I hope that's not the case. But uh, what, what, what is pretty clear is that we're running higher than last year's all-time record. So that, that's tough.
2: John
0: Heimlich, thank you for joining us. Rudy Max's World phone lines are open now, so call us at 800-387-8025. We'll be back after these messages. segment of rudy max's world is brought to you by service magic now you can hire pre-screened home pros with confidence for repairs remodeling plumbing needs made services and so much more visit www.homebuild411.servicemagic.com that's homebuild411.servicemagic.com
2: welcome back to rudy max's world 52 minutes after the hour Um, If you like to follow travel and you are on Facebook, uh, I'd be delighted if you went to my Facebook page, which is Rudy Maxa TV show. I'll say it once again. I've been saying it for two, three years. (laughs) I know this isn't a TV show, so don't look at your, if you're listening to someone else, don't look at them with a puzzled look. I know I'm on a radio show. But for fan pages, at least when I signed up, uh, Facebook didn't have a radio show category, and I do have a series of shows on PBS, so I chose TV show. But anyway, um, like me while you're, you, know, you can read some past postings of places I've been. I put up some deals of the week and some random thoughts, as we all do on Facebook. I will not tell you what I had for breakfast or bore you with uh, um, how my grandchildren are doing. But anyway, uh, if you like me, they're trying to hit 2,000 likes. I think I'm only, I don't know, it seems like I'm only 15 or 20 away, so help me out and like me. And you can write me anytime at Rudy at RudyMaxa.com. Rudy is R-U-D-Y, Maxa is Max with an A on the end of it. If you've got an, a show idea or if you've got a travel question that others might benefit hearing about, um, I'll try to answer it on the air. We can uh, work that out. So just write me at Rudy at RudyMaxa.com or call 800-387-8025. This is an interesting stat I came across this week. You know, once upon a time the Delta and US Airways shuttles between DC, New York, and Boston were how travelers got between those East Coast cities if they were in a hurry. But those hourly shuttles have steadily—and I mean steadily—lost business to Amtrak, thanks to higher airfares, flight delays, and Amtrak's faster cell train. I, train, excuse me. I hesitate to use the phrase "high speed." Today, 75 percent of passengers between New York and D.C. go by train. Before 2001, and secu- remember that's when security was certainly ramped up at airports, only a third did. From a third to 75 percent. Amtrak says its market share between Boston and New York has shot up during that same time period from 20 to 54%. Um, Amtrak's routes in the Northeast, you should know, are the only part of Amtrak that actually turns a profit. Still, the fares beat the airlines. Acela fares between D.C. and New York average $145 each way, though the slower Amtrak trains have fares as low as $49 each way. U.S. Airways' cheapest one-way fare between New York and D.C. is $236, about $90 more than even the Acela. Um, Train also has Wi-Fi and cell coverage, although both of those can be uh, dropped frequently. All right, let's do a couple of deals of the week here. Let's see, we got the sounder. We got the sounder. Yep. No, oh, there it is. There's the cash register. Thank you very, very much. Okay, if you've had a yen, pardon me for saying that, to go to Asia, um, Cathay Pacific has got a sale that ends next Friday, the seventh of September. Here's some sample fares: New York City to Hong Kong round trip, one thousand ninety-nine dollars through November thirtieth. LAX Hong Kong, $1,149 through the 31st of December. Chicago Hong Kong, $1,160 through 31st of December. And Chicago Bangkok, 1367 through the last day of this year. Pretty good coach round-trip fares um, if you want to go to uh, Asia. So check out Cafe Pacific. They have a lot of other destinations too, Manila, Indian, all kinds of places. Check it out. Radisson hotels have a sale. They're offering you 25% off if you pay in advance at what they call their simply enough, advance purchase rate. For example, the Radisson Blue Aqua Hotel in Chicago, 195 dollars for a city room view, or 215 for a park view with balcony. That's really cheap. I mean, I know at times this summer rates are up in the 400 dollars range. If you want to get down to the Caribbean, the Radisson Blue Resort uh, Marina, excuse me, the Blattis, Radisson Blue Resort Marina and Spa in San Martin has an early 30% off fall sale. Here's the price. A room, breakfast for two, 245 bucks. Throw in a $15-a-day resort fee, and you got, what, $260 and a 4% tax. This is valid between November 1st and December 15th. Remember, mid-December prices always go up in the Caribbean for airfare and hotels. No advanced booking is required for this. Kids under four eat free with a paying parent at buffets or from kid menus. Kids five to twelve receive fifty percent off buffet prices, and they stay free when staying with parents in a room with existing bedding. So that's the Radisson Blue Resort, Marina and Spa in Saint Martin in the Caribbean. If you need to rent a car on a weekend, Enterprise is off back with their nine ninety nine a day rental specials on weekends through m- late May. You can rent on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and return on Monday. But remember, Enterprise has these weird hours; they're not open like. Uh, Some of their competitors are uh, all day and late into the night. Their neighborhood hours, excuse me, their neighborhood offices are generally closed on Saturday afternoons and Sundays. But you can use that to your advantage. That's why they rent cars so cheaply, because they can't rent them around the clock as others can. Now, $9.99 is for a smaller car. You can pick up a full-size car for $17.99. But keep this in mind. This is great for sort of running errands, not for taking a long weekend trip, because you only get 100 free miles. Those rates don't include taxes, by the way. Anyway, this offer is good through September 7th, so by next weekend, or next Friday, through May 22nd. And uh, airlines are announcing their biz class fare deals for Thanksgiving, Christmas, holidays, and New Year's. Newark to London, $1,544. JFK to Paris, 1910. LA to LA Rome, from Los Angeles, Rome round trip, $2,529. Now, you've got about a week's windows around the holidays, such as you can take an outgoing flight in business class November 18th through the 25th, and you can return anytime, November 23rd to the 28th. That's an example of that window during the Thanksgiving period. And my friend Joe Brancatelli at joesentme.com says Xmas and New Year's fares will be about $300 to $400 more. Check out Delta, Alitalia, Lufthansa, KLM, and Virgin Atlantic. And check us out for the second hour. We've got a lot of guests coming up. If your station's leaving us after this first hour, see you here again next weekend. I'm Rudy Maxa. We're going to pause for about six minutes of news and commercials.
0: We'll be right back.